Welcome to the Disrupt Now podcast, episode number three. The Disrupt Now podcast, created by Natalie Viglione, entrepreneur and founder of Team Goo. It's designed to help people break down the walls around them, construct the ultimate vision of their lives, and provides the tools, tips, and techniques to disrupt their status quo. We shine a light on the good, the bad, and the ugly to help build the roadmap to your dreams. We talk with today's most effective disruptors in every area from art and design to technology and finance and even health and well-being. Our guests bring topics to light that help others to shake themselves free and can give them a whole new outlook on life. Welcome to the Disrupt Now podcast. Today, I am so honored and pleased to have a wonderful guest with us, Dr. Suzanne Kapendijic. She's a disruptor in the education sector. She's a creative, visionary thinker, and a talented neuroscientist with in-depth expertise in pharmacology, is an entrepreneur, a consultant to innovative healthcare and life science commercialization projects, and a seasoned strategic financial leader for Genevia, Inc., a successful private software company. Her passion for science, education, and business has led her on a journey to create EdSnaps, a nonprofit organization that utilizes her self-developed STEAM curricula, science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics, launching summer 2017 in New York City. Her organization empowers high school students in underserved areas to build personal narratives and provides them with unique opportunities to help them create their holistic review profiles, to help them apply to post-secondary STEM colleges, vocational, or other career applications. Her ultimate vision is to power growth for the next generation of the STEM workforce and significantly increase the diversity in the STEM workforce by 2025. So the vision is huge. She is disrupting education. Suzanne, we are so happy to have you today. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very honored and pleased to like talk with you about like AdSnaps and any other questions you have for me this morning. Yes, yes. Our audience is going to absolutely adore all of your visionary um information that you can give today about EdSnaps in general, but we also want to learn more about your journey, what brought you to today. Um, so we'll go through some questions there. Um, and also, we cannot wait to hear about this program that's launching for the first time in New York City in the Bronx. And again, I'm, I'm a, a esteemed board member, and thank you again for having me um, be a part of your journey. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so let's get to the first question. Uh, you have tons of amazing experience, and what I would really love to know is how did you get to where you are today, not only personally, but also your professional path just to kind of bring us up to speed about you? Well, Natalie, thank you so much for that question. That's a, a great question to start, like, uh, the interview with. 
Um, so how did I get to my um, current status professionally and personally? Well, professionally, um, I grew up in the Netherlands, and in the Netherlands, they have a different school system and education system. So already in elementary school, uh, around the age of like 10, 11, um, I was tested, and um, the test results showed that I was ready for the highest education in the Netherlands, and uh, that implies that you go to an academic-like profession. So I knew already there that I was going to attend like a college. Um, so for the past 25 years, I've been in academia. Um, I worked in academia, and um, up until like three, four years ago, I wasn't feeling great about academia anymore. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something else. I wasn't sure what. So in 2014, I decided to go back to school and get my MBA education on top of my pharmacology education. And um, over the years, I've been mentoring a lot. And of course, I worked in our software company, so I was exposed to the corporate world. And now I have the best of all three worlds because I can still work in academia, I work in corporate, and I mentor, and I tie all these um, paths together. So that's where I am professionally. Um, in respect to how did I get here personally, um, I never could have done that without the help of, first of all, my family. Um, and then we're talking a family of three generations. My parents, mm -hmm. always supportive to me, both my mom and my dad. They always pushed me, not in the way that they could tell me what to do, because they both were not academically schooled. They finished both high school, which was a big thing, I mean, in the, in the, in, in the 40s. I mean, they grew up right. during, during World War II, of course, so that was not much, and my dad had a big family, so only the first two could go to school. Um, so there was like, you know, they, but they were all supportive. Like, as long as you're happy in your life, they said, well, you know, we're happy for you too. So I updated them what I was doing uh, in my professional life. They had no clue, but they saw I was happy in there. They also that's, saw I was That's happy. all that matters, right? See, exactly. <laughs> and they also saw sometimes that I was not very happy the last four or five years, and they were like, okay, she'll figure it out eventually. So eventually I figured it out. So now I'm I'm so happy. And now they are like, you know, with me. They know I'm doing this kind of interview. So I told them about the podcast. So the first question is, what is a podcast, of course? So that kind of like, <laughs> but they, they are supportive. And that's all that counts. And then, of course, the, the second generation that supports me is my husband. Um, he is in academia. He's also in corporate. He also mentors. And he's always been there. It's like so that's that's the second generation and then the third generation are my kids. Um when I went back mm -hmm. to school, um I had to go online and take my courses and do my tests and that was a hard thing because I grew up not doing courses online. Of course I work with students that take courses online, but you know, if they have a problem that's in a way not my problem because I'm on the other end, so I might make it work. But right. now as a student, I was on the other side there, and of course, I'm facing problems with like submitting assignments, like small things there. But then my kids would always be there, and like, you know, mom, it's not that bad. You get over it. Move on, move on, and that kind of the thing <laughs> that happens. So you know, it's like those three generations. They are pushing me. They are kicking my butt all the time. But it's like you know that that is what forms you. That's what makes you, and and makes me realize what kind of an a richness I have in my life and 
and of course, without the help of any anybody else, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about like you know the mentors I had over the years, the advisors, my friends. Um, everybody plays a role, even the naysayers. They play a role in your life because the more people say right. to me, it's like you know, it makes you harder, it makes you fight harder, it makes you fight differently, it makes you see different angles. So. I'm like, you know, professionally and academically, I got here with the help of everybody that met my path, even, you know, my garbage man who, like, you know, picks up my garbage in the morning. He's like, if he wishes me a good morning and I wishes him back a good morning to, in return, or, or the newspaper delivery girl that comes at my house at, like, 5.30 in the morning and I see her to take the newspaper because, you know, I couldn't sleep and my assignment was not working the way it would work. If she would say, hey, good morning to you, and I'm like, you know, that makes my day, so... Everybody right. contributes in, small in his or her way. Small things, big things, it doesn't matter. It makes you what you are today. Right. Now, you said something that's really interesting to me, and I'd love to explore it a little bit because I think it, you know, it's, it's, and we'll get to this question because I really want to find out, you know, you're a disruptor in your own experiences and you're becoming a disruptor in the educational community and how you you know, are working with people and what your vision is. But, you know, you know the, the very interesting differences between countries and the way we're raised is, you know, going into your elementary school days, you were tested and basically said, okay, well, you are X, Y, Z, and here's your path. So it's kind of almost like, you know, you're kind of told in a way of, of what you should do, Um so tell tell us a little more about that because that's kind of an interesting, intriguing differentiation. But because we certainly in in you know the states don't get tested and aren't really put on any path. It's like go figure it out, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which well, can be very difficult. <laughs> that's exactly right, Natalie. That is, that is that is one of the things that is. I I really didn't see it. Um, the way you're tested, it's not really a very high pressure on you because it, it goes play like life. It, it's like mm-hmm. you know that your tests are coming up, but it's like like uh, I think if I remember correctly, because it's, it's been some years ago, of course. So it was like it's it's more than like 40 years ago. So, but you have like different types of tests, and of course, uh, we we prepare a bit for that. But it's not like here that you have a standardized test and you test the whole school year for it. No, it's just the tests are coming up, and and you you're taking out of class. You test for 20 minutes. You go back to the class. They do like four or five different types of tests, and it's a path that was advised. Had I opted out for that path, that would be perfectly fine too. Of course, I right, would be right. working at a level that was not exactly my level, so I wouldn't be challenged. So they tried to find, for example, if I wanted to be a seamstress or I wanted to be a baker, like more the vocational like path, you can do that. So you don't have to go to college and sit there four years and, and feel very miserable about yourself with, with a low self-esteem. Right. But you can go to an education that you feel happy with and pleased with. Um, I had the idea that I wanted to do something technical. So my idea was, mm-hmm. and, I, and I suggested that to my parents, of course, because, you know, you're nine years old, and you suggest that, that oh, I want to go to a technical uh, path. So I think I should start at the at the lower level, and it's called, like, the um, lower um, uh, technical school. And then I can go to middle technical school, and then I can go to the high technical school. 
But with my academic capacities, I can skip the lower and the middle part, and I can go immediately to the higher part. Now, somebody who desires right. to become a higher, like, technical person, but does not have the academic possibilities for it, they can still reach that path, but they have to go through lower first, then middle, and then high. So, technically, it takes them 8 to 12 years longer to reach that path compared to me that can go immediately to the, high, to the, to the highest level. So there's, but of course, I, I don't have like the technical skills, the hands-on experience. While this other person might go through the technical uh, like aspects of it, like the hands-on, but like likes the managerial or the or like the logistic like techno, uh, well capacities. So there's like a lot of like layman space in between. So where you go, so they don't tell you what to do because they can't make you do it. But, of course, it's highly suggested. So you take the route that right. is best for you. And with the support, I mean, my mom and dad never gave me any space. I mean, it was a no-brainer for them. So then, of course, if right. that's their attitude, it's a no-brainer for right. me either. And, and I had that same attitude with my children. Um, when my children got back home with, an, with a B, I was never upset with that B. Until of course, right. like if I know that they studied for the for the for their test, they did everything they got, and they get the B, I'm fine. However, if I discover that you got the B by not studying, I'm a little bit upset. So that's not a good thing. <laughs> right. See, so so that's kind of like I expect that you contribute to the economy the best way you can, and by having the system here in the United States. Um, of course, I can understand we have to do some standardized testing because we have to know if students are in the Northeast the same, uh, have the same capacity as the Southeast or like the, the Southwest and the Northwest, everywhere there. But mm -hmm. I think like there is some space here for being like, you know, step a little bit out that academic world only and, and looking at those academic grades because over the years I discovered, you know, if you're a good test taker here in the United States, you can rig the system. Because, and, and of course oh, absolutely! Other, you just study and cram the night before, and you're you're in. So exactly, <laughs> but and that is right. what I think like made my my urge for like starting the non-profit aspects like more more urgent because there are children that are not such a good test takers, but these kids are brilliant. And and how can right, I absolutely. help these these children, these students to get more uh, stiff of their profile so like colleges but also vocational education and other careers can 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 get a notice of these children. So it's like it's that whole like that profile you want to create and that is what we got in, in the Netherlands. Of course you're like academically schooled, but since you are in an environment that is like up to your par, your challenge. You're like working your your butt off to get your grades there, and sometimes it, it does. But, but in most cases, it works out for everybody who is tested, and everybody feels happy. If I want to become a baker, yeah. go to bakery school. I'm in in my element. I tried as a fish in the water, and I would like to create that kind of environment a little bit with like asmat. Like, how can I create the water around these fish? So they will feel good about it. Their self-esteem mm -hmm. will go up. They might not have the highest grades in their academic training, but you know what? That is not the most important part. I want to have a student that feels good about him or herself and, and works harder to get like the grades of the best they can. But if I can talk with this person, if I can see an interest in like uh, whatever they are interested in, 
that is more important to me than having the highest GPA, the highest laudation there. You know what? If I can have a problem-solving kit, I would give anything for a kit like that. So that is my goal. Right, right. And that's, you know, that's the biggest, um, you know, and I think most bright component of, of what you believe in. Because I think, you know, I, even going back to my own experiences, you know, it was, it was a big challenge. You know, if, if your families aren't vested or not vested, if, mm-hmm. if your surroundings don't invest in you, then it's kind of like, okay, well, you better have it inside of you to, to make it. Um, and I, you know, I think that's kind of a beautiful thing that the Netherlands has that implemented because I think it really helps you understand, you know, here's what I could be amazing at. And if you don't go that path, whatever. But, you know, it kind of wraps some loving arms around the fact that you may or may not, you know, be great fit for one path and you may be a great, a greater fit for another path. So, yeah. and I, and I think that, you know, your, even your own disruption, um, you mentioned that, you know, roughly maybe three to five years ago or so, you were kind of on that, that verge of, well, you know, I'm just not in the place where I want to be. So what was it, do you think, that kind of clicked inside of you? Because you could have clearly gone on your academia um, path for, you know, basically until you were completely finished. Um, but you decided to make that change. So what do you think that was really that got you to say, I'm done with this, you know, I want to do this, <laughs> to get to kind of the today point? Yep. Well, it's, uh, it was my friend who kicked my butt tremendously. <laughs> uh, Always I, uh, <laughs> I told him, well, it's like that's what friends are for. I told him that I was too old to go back to school. And he just laughed in my face and he said, you know what? <laughs> I don't think so. And I said, oh, yes, I do. I can't, I can't cope with this, uh, this, like, you know, online school. And he said, like, well, you know, I, I challenge you. So he challenged me and I said, well, uh, maybe I should get my MBA then because, you know, sometimes degrees count. And um, I've been doing MBA work, of course. I worked in corporate for many, many years. But I right. did not know, like, terminology and, and you know, I didn't have the proper schooling. Everything was self-taught, and, and that is a good thing. Um, but on the other hand, uh, I needed something to, to drive me and to make sure that I was, like, doubting myself whether I was in the right way, but I didn't see a way out. And, yes, hindsight, when he told me, like, get your MBA, I thought first I'm like, no, no, no. But then, of course, that planted the seed in my brain, and then I started, like, you mm-hmm. know, thinking a bit about it, and, well, maybe not, maybe yes, maybe no, uh, I'm not sure. So then I talked with, uh, well, due to, of course, our, our uh, location in Tallahassee, Florida, and our business, uh, it, uh, our headquarters is, is uh, located over there, we had as um, a software company a lot of contact with the business school um, as professionals, and we gave a lot of mentoring. We um, we started a fund there to like support students also who are like starting up startup businesses. And I talked to them and I said, well, um, you know, that online program that you're having, how does that work? So I started investigating a little bit. Talked with my husband. I said, would it be a weird idea if I go back to school? And he's like, no, 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 just give it a try, give it a try. So no, I love that. 
you know, feel like I did all this, then there's no way back because, you know, I could use him as a weapon there against me and say, well, my husband, of course, does not approve, but since we're equal in our relationship, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's a no-brainer. If he says, like, there's no barrier for me, I'm like, okay, no, I have to right. do this. So then I right. interviewed and, and I went to the business school. I said, you know, I, I want to be part of this. And they were looking, okay, that's that's a great idea. I'm like, why didn't you do this earlier? I'm like, well, I wasn't ready. I, when the children were, <laughs> were little, I mean, I didn't think about this. And when they were older, I didn't think about it either. So then I started uh, doing all the, the prerequisite work. And I was admitted in the school. And then I just started studying. And for me, it was really hard, first of all, with the technology to get, like, on par with that. But also, right. it's like um, I'm pretty, you know, competitive, so I want to get A's all the time. And that is, of course, a, a, a challenge if you're, like, older because you process information in a different way. And, uh, well, of course, right. you have to work during the day, so you're doing this part-time. So you have to study in the evening. So sometimes, yes, the deadline is 12 o'clock night, midnight, and... You know, the assignment would come, like, submitted at 5 to 12 because I just didn't have time. You know, you, there was a birthday party. Absolutely. You have to do Very so many hard. other things there. But to me, it learned that I can juggle a lot. But I think the best thing to me it was also learning that I can ask for help. And, you know, that is a good thing because I never did that. I never asked for help during my – I mean, in, in a way, I, I did, but not really that clear. But then – I would help my husband. I would ask my husband for help. I would ask some of my colleagues. Things like delegation, and of course, I've done that, but not as specific as those years that I was like enrolled in college. And I think that Absolutely. was like you know, I learned more to communicate. I learned more to collaborate in in more in different ways there. So for me, the the whole like going back to school did much, much more than only like turning in your assignments and getting A's uh, or like wanting to get A's all the time. It it showed me like, you know, I have to communicate if I want to get something done and I have to clearly communicate. I have to speak their language. I have to like collaborate because we can do much, much more and stop with the micromanagement. I have to see the bigger picture. And I think those are all Absolutely. issues that I learned in, in the training. And that is not like, you know, the, the courses that I took, they were, I mean, exciting. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong learner. I love to learn. So for me, it was no punishment at all to read through those 200 pages in the course. So I, I love these right. things. But learning outside the classroom, and, and we were teamed up with anybody that we could be on the team. So I worked with people in, in Washington State. I worked with people in New York, with people in Florida, with people in Georgia, California, all different kinds of, like, angles there. And coming from the academia mainly, of course, you have, like, kind of like a tunnel vision there. So working with people that were actually in the workforce already for so many years, that was an eye-opener to, to know, I mean, that was like unlimited like learning for me. So I enjoyed that so much. It, it was great for me. And it, it sounds like too, you know, you've been also, and we, we share this as well, um, you know, when you're in the corporate world, I mean, and, you know, obviously going to school for you really turned that mark and turned your path into where you are today, which is beautiful. And the fact that you didn't let the the normal, you know, it's too late uh, verbiage guide you. I think that's the biggest disruptor that people can follow, too, is you have 
to understand that it's never too late. I mean, ever. I mean, it's just, it's, you can do anything at any time at any age. It's just, that's kind of a difficult brain management tool that, you know, it, it's really difficult for people to understand and kind of get over that negative thought process. Yeah. So that's amazing well, that you did that. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that that is some of the signs that I can see now with the older generation too. I meet so many people that are like still like changing like their career or starting a new career. And I've seen it in the Netherlands when, like when, when we visit in the summers there, um, at one time point, I suggested to my parents that maybe they should, like, you know, move to a smaller house and, like, you know, maybe get, like, a little bit more care. That was the worst thing that you could ever imagine suggesting to my parents. So my parents are taking <laughs> courses. They are almost both 80 years old, but they are taking courses. They are going to painting. They are going to do everything else. That They are still, like, involved in, like, the service community. My dad still, like, goes to, like, the meetings where they like teach like the younger generation CPR and and in in that way like well emergency skills so it's like it's 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 really something that I notice much much more and and that is one of the things that I think is like an, a mindset thing you have to indeed as you said you have to get used to it like a totally different way of working there you know and I think if I can do it anybody can do it and it, it's just a way of looking at your life what do you want to do it's like and, and face it, I mean, I was at a, a lecture a couple of uh, weeks ago, and they said that a 10-year-old has a life expectancy to become 104 years old, and during that life, he or she will have five career changes. We're only talking about career changes. And I mean, I know my dad worked for like almost 35 years in the same company. Well, the world right. has been changing, so we have to adapt. So to say, like, you know, when you're in your 40s or in your 50s, that oh, I'm done, I don't want to do anything else, well, that's a beautiful thing if you can maintain that. But in order to keep up with, like, the, the evolvement and, and the, the, you know, moving forward or moving different in different directions with our society, I mean, you have so many skills that some people are not even aware of. And, they're, they, you know, I always, I always dislike it when people say, oh, I'm just. No, you're not just. Right. You have right. skills there. Man, look at your skills and, and use them to your advantage, but not only to your own advantage, but see how you can contribute to like a younger generation. Yeah, because I think that's what, what's lacking. I was, I was reading the, the newspaper a couple of, uh, like, well, I mean, I'm reading it every day, of course, but that kind of like, there was a 17-year-old and he was invited to a board meeting. So, of course, the kid picks up his phone and starts, like, typing. So everybody in the boardroom, like, thinks, Oh, my God, one of those. But actually, the kid right. was taking notes on his cell phone because his cell phone is his lifeline with, like, the outside world. And you can say, okay, that's a bad thing. You can say it's a good thing. But the fact to me was more important, the kid is making notes during a board meeting. How often have right. I not sat He's in a board meeting? <laughs> how often have I not sat in a board meeting that people show up because it's mandatory to show up, they haven't prepared their agenda, they don't know what like, to vote on because they were not prepared. Granted, sometimes we get like board meetings with 150 pages of text. But the point is, this kid was making notes. He was taking a site when there was a little break and told that he has to put away his cell phone because he has to pay attention. This is the way that right. this kid was like paying attention because he was making notes. So to, to judge that one already, and of course, looks can be deceiving, and there will be kids in meetings that, you know, they play around with their cell phones, but... 
you know what? Stop making those judgments and, and, and ask first. Say, like, um, can I interrupt you? What exactly are you doing on your cell phone? Maybe that is rude, but then everybody at the table knows what's going on. But I like that that chair who took this, this, this kid aside, after the break, he says, well, thank you so much, and I forgot like, the, 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 the student's name, and he says, like, thank you so much for taking notes on your cell phone. That is an extraordinary, like, like feature that you have on your cell phone that you can type so quickly, but also keep track of this. So he acknowledged that after the break, so everybody else in the room knows that he was taking notes. So I think, like, you know, it's, it's never too late, and, and for us, like, an older generation, it's so easy to just, oh, these kids are, like, you know, doing things. When, when my son takes, like, an, a course online and he has, like, kind of like an, a life lesson where he has to pay attention, what he does is he, he has some other things that he uses to, to get his attention there. So he builds Lego at the same time while listening to the lecture <laughs> because it. it makes him work in a different way. It, makes his, it stimulates his brain. It, it increases his focus, his attention span. And I think if you can find out at such a young age what makes your attention span grow, who am I as an older generation to judge that you're not working the way? Maybe you're working in a different way. So if we can make other generations like understand how we can grab attention and how we can learn, we can do so much more, I think, and, and, and grab their attention and, and, and groom them for the career they are like. And, and you're never too old to learn, as you said. Also, it's like stimulate it, make, make, discover what makes people tick and how they, how they can educate themselves or how you can help them to educate themselves. That, that is such a, uh, there's such a power in that. that. That's what I would like to do on a daily basis. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a huge power. And, and there is a big difference in, you know, the generation that now are, are in a workforce. I mean, especially, you know, from a, you know, marketing um, aspect, when you talk about like the, quote unquote, Generation Z, which is, you know, the 17, 18, 19 year olds that are just moving into the workforce. You know, it really does change the game and how everyone works together. But I think there's so, there, like you mentioned, there's so much to learn. And, and what I think is um, beautiful about the EdSnaps program, and we'll, you know, go over those details and, and what this summer means to the students that will be involved. But there's something for underserved areas, too, where, again, families probably or maybe not be as engaged in the students' lives and maybe don't understand, again, all of those little nuances wrapped around the younger generation, such as taking notes on the phone or whatever it might be. But probably the biggest component of, of your organization is is helping the students disrupt their own lives at an early age, understanding they can have access to cool things even if, you know, you don't have the family environment in which to push you in that direction or tons of money or, you know, all those elements and those supportive things that, you know, some kids have, some kids don't have. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of living proof that you don't have to have parents that are totally engaged in your life but do everything that you want to do, but not everyone can and discover that early. So I think your program is going to help them do that. So um, do you want to talk about the program a little bit? You know, what, what's going to be involved? Um, you know, what are the points of reference for these kids in terms of helping them disrupt their own lives and kind of 
you know, build this beautiful relationship with these kids early to help them move into, you know, the STEM workforce, which is, again, you know, it needs it, yes, <laughs> especially definitely. for girls, right? Definitely. definitely. <laughs> Gorgeous, mm-hmm. well, so, but, like, look, <laughs> to, go, to go back to your, to your um, like, remark there, or, like, when you were, like, posing the question here, you said, like, you know, um, I didn't have it all either to, like, you know, a, a family or tons of money, and I was, like, from a rural area where, I mean, I was in the same boat. I had the enormous support of my family, but we didn't have tons of money, and I'm coming from a small village where right. there were less than four, 500 people. But the beauty of it was, like, when I, I think when I was going into second grade, we got a library in our in our village. And it was fantastic, because I, I could go to the library, like, on a, on, a, on a Wednesday, like, in the Netherlands, you have every Wednesday afternoon off. So I could go to the library and get books and started reading and discovered, like, the joy of reading. And, and you know, when you read, and I still have that, you just get lost in the world that they are describing, and and that's how I've always been with books, and and that is exactly what what Atnas is also trying to do. It's like yes, I come also from an underserved area. Yes, I'm the first one in my family to get a college degree. Yeah, my mom didn't like it that I was gonna live like at the age of like 17, like 100 miles away, and that was only a phone, <laughs> but I came here to to call every day. See, so that's kind of like the, the way I grew up. There was no, uh, there was no email. There was no Facebook, no FaceTime, nothing. So it was just like they dropped me off and like you know, well maybe in a week I can call and then you have to put three quarters in the phone. Mom, I only have four quarters, so I can say it's going well. And yeah, there were days that I thought, what am I doing here? So, but you don't give up because you start building a support network. And and I think that is what we're trying to do with AdSnaps. Show every student that, yes, there are possibilities for you. Look around you, and instead of, like, saying that negative, like, or seeing the negative, like, environment that you live in, like, oh, I'm from an underserved area. No. You have to be proud of your area and to say, like, what can I do to disrupt myself from this area, but also... Use that that environment to learn from it. Learn from it. Like, see if there is like a right. library close by. I mean, the library offers so many free courses. And I discovered that here when I when I got into New York like last uh, last summer to get like you know to to start scanning the environment, there are so many free courses offered that you can skill yourself. But also, it's not only the free course that is offered. It's also going there and see who's around. Start networking. Start right. building up a support network. You never know who wants to become your mentor or, like, you know, an advocate for you. You don't know. And, and, and that is what I'm thinking. Like, you know, one of my, my, my big things is respect people for what they are and what they can do. What does it take you in the morning to say good morning to somebody who's, like, working at the desk or, or going to a library and say, like, well, did you have a good day? Doesn't cost you anything. Right. But that people will remind you, and 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 that will, will you know, you you build, start building bonds with people. And even if you don't have tons of money, there are so many open courses for you now. There are like fifty educational institutions that are offering courses for free. So if you want to start learning how to code a little bit, if you want to say like, is book binding something for me? Is is marketing something for me? There are courses out there. 
the problem with the students in the underserved area is they don't know about these resources. So what right, happens right. Is, is like we're we're, uh, we're hopefully like well we're going to battle launch this summer in 2017. We're going to start with like underserved high school female students. Um, I realized both uh, during uh, my mentoring in the Bronx uh, for the past like four or five months. I discovered both males and female students need this kind of program. However, we all know right. about, like, you know, when you're in high school, there are other factors in place. So we have, like, hormones racing. We have that kind of things. Well, I can't use that in the program when we're launching because based on my experiences in Florida where I was, like, mentoring, like, middle school girls in STEM and STEAM programs, um, I would like to start with high school girls because still there is a lot of need for um, girls in the STEM workforce. So the launch will be with 20 high school female girls. It's a three-week free program, and uh, it is open for 20 high school uh, female students that are uh, attending a high school in the Bronx. They have to submit an application, um, and the program will be totally free of charge. And what we're doing is we're going to take these students to, um, like, real-life applications of STEM uh, infused with A, with arts, uh, so with STEAM. So how can they combine their STEM interests uh, with, like, arts and, and other types of other forms of expression? Um, we're not going to go to Google or to Facebook or to the Fortune Top 10 or Top 50 like companies. No, we're going to go into New York. We're going to take the, the kids through public transportation out of the Bronx and visit companies that are offering some unusual paths where we can demonstrate that it's perfectly fine to combine STEM with arts. You're not a right. normal. Other people have done this. And we want to make these students aware that those kind of possibilities exist because the, the whole problem with, um, like, uh, these students in underserved areas, they have absolutely no clue what's out there. Um, free, like, um, open source uh, technology, um, uh, other types of, like, programs that, that could be available for them because they qualify, they don't know about. So, what Adsnaps is doing is we're offering them a peek in the world of what is possible for you. Instead of like being focused, oh, I'm underserved, I don't know what to do, I'm going to do the same, I'm going to be without a job because people expect me to go to college. No, 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 no. We're going to offer them some possibilities. You want to plant exactly. seeds that they can do anything they put their mind on. And Adsnaps is focusing on bringing those high school students together with, like, the local economic and social community and, and tie them together. So offering a, a way out for or a different way, a different path to these students by making them connect with, like, the economic society, with the corporate world, but also vice versa. It has to be a two-way street because students can do whatever they want if the community does not understand what they need or what they have been doing or if they don't understand what the path could be, then we, we still have a one-way street. So the two-way street is that the economic development in, in our local community also understands that, hey, there is a bunch of qualified students. They know that they want to work in the STEM workforce, but they might not get your usual path. So if we can make those companies offer an internship 
and mentoring for these students, we can create a pipeline with these students that are not your conventional, traditional students there. They might have a disadvantage in money. They might have a disadvantage in no family support. But they have a brain that they can work with. They are thinking outside the box. These kids are problem solvers. So what exactly. offer changes the game for them. And, you know, it changes the game for the companies, too. I mean, it gives them access to people that they probably wouldn't have ever had access to. Exactly, and that is what AdSense does, is like making you aware of the possibilities, first and foremost, of course, for the students, but also for the economy and the economy around them, like the local economy, because if we can help them, like, try there, support them with, like, students, they will get that work out, too, so it's like, you know, it's kind of like a, a bubble in the water. You throw a pebble and stone in the water, and it ripples, like, further, further off. Well, that's what we're trying to do, and that's what a disruptor is. We're trying to throw a stone in the water and, like, make people yes. aware of the of the possibilities they have. The access, there is a pool of brilliant students. I, I see them every week, and, and they don't know it, that they are so brilliant. And and that right. is what, what, you know, that caused me to, like, after, like, a month of mentoring, I went there for, like, one hour a week, and after four weeks, I said to myself, I'm going to start up this non-profit organization. So I called my husband and I said, I'm going to start a non-profit organization. And he's like, so exactly where is this coming from? <laughs> I explained to him what I wanted. He said, well, I'm going to be with you over the winter break. Let me know how I can help and we'll get this started. So that's how it starts. And I think like to to, Wonderful. to have that, like, you know, the insight, of course, people think sometimes I'm totally offline or totally like, how do you know? What is that vision that you have, that, like, you know, the, the big, bold vision? Yeah, so what? You have to have a goal in your life, and I have multiple goals, and this is one of them. And, and that's right. what I want to work for. And that is where I can, like, you know, stimulate people. You might not reach your goal next week, but who says you have to have it next week? Work on it. Right. And, and see how I mean. you can get there. You have to have exactly. a goal. You have to have a goal. And, and, and that is what we try to do with Absinthe. Give them a goal that they can start forming, give them some thoughts. Plant the seeds and plant the seeds not only with the students but also with the community. Think outside that box. But, but while you're thinking outside that box, think how you can help other people that are around you. And sometimes that could be like read through their resume and give them some hints. Sometimes it would say, hey, do you know, I heard about like a course. Did you think about that? Simple things. And, and that is what makes I think that so powerful. It does. It really does. And I think you're, I mean, that tagline, making you aware of possibilities, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. Because it takes the victim out of the the brain and the mind, and, you know, that can really help stimulate. And and we, we work off of the ethos here of no status quo, because you don't have to settle. You don't have to do what other people tell you to do, and you don't have to do things that you don't want to do. There are paths. There are ways, there are communities to support you. And, you know, we are so thankful for you and to be a part of you and what this, this you know, EdSnaps program is going to do. So it's just a wonderful thing for these kids and, and to, you know, bring more kids into the STEM workforce is, is you know, a, a beautiful vision. Um, and so we, you're launching this summer. Um, now, EdSnaps, dot org. That's that's the main website, correct? Yes, that's correct. And our okay. website is going to launch on May first. So.
So be on the lookout for our atsnaps.org uh, website. Wonderful. Wonderful. And <clears throat> that's E as in uh, energy. E is, <laughs> e is in, well, S is a, it stands for educational snapshots. So E as in AdWords, D as in door, and they are both uppercases, and then snaps, S as in Suzanne, N as in Natalie, A as in Anton, P as in Polina, and S as in Stephanie. Beautiful. Well, we look forward to keeping in touch with you, bringing you back on. Um, I think this is a huge long-term conversation to have as to, you know, how the kids and the community is reacting, you know, what is changing in these kids' lives. Um, so we'll definitely want to, you know, make sure we're attached to all of those outcomes. And, Suzanne, thank you again so much for being on Disrupt Now. And we are excited for the summer. Well, Natalie, it has been a pleasure, um, like, talking about the program and talking, give a little bit of background here and Anytime you uh, have a question, just uh, shoot a question. And I think, like, my, my lesson is, like, always keep asking questions. Ask why, 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 and then you'll learn a lot, and then you will be a long-life learner. So thank you again yeah. for giving me this opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being a guest, and thank you to the Disrupt Now podcast community. To connect with today's guest and every other guest that we have on our show, there are two places that we keep not only all of the episodes, but the information and bio of each of our amazing guests and their contact information. The DisruptNowProgram.com site has all of the podcast link, as well as TeamGoo.com forward slash episodes. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you again on the Disrupt Now podcast.